Hello, friends. Welcome to this week's 30-Minute Thursdays, otherwise known as 30-Mint, where I bring you my weekly dose of fresh ideas and insights that are helping me to perform at my best. From my favorite recovery hacks, training philosophies, and analyzed guest insights, I will come prepared each week in hopes that you can apply these snippets to your everyday life. Now let's get to the show. If you like it, please like and subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. And for the true fans, leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. This helps the show get discovered organically and helps me to continue to bring on incredible guests for the main show. Today, I will be covering my morning routine. In this episode, you can expect to hear my daily 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. routine, which will include system shock, My coffee setup, I am a pour-over fanatic, so you'll find out exactly what I use to make the perfect cup of coffee every morning. Mandatory movements, I'll explain this later. A piece on mindset, and my secret morning hack. So let's talk about this idea of system shock. And I chose this word specifically because it sounds a little bit more intense than what I'm really getting at. There's not any scientific backing that I'm going to give you here in this episode for this system, but it has had a major impact in my life. So what do you want me to do? I'm going to tell you about my experience. Consider it with a grain of salt. I'm sure that there's some place out there where I could really dig deep and find some useful things to cite. But for the time being, I'm going to let the experts talk about the inner workings of the science behind why this could be beneficial. And I'm just going to share my experience. So when I recorded episode 67 with my friend Benjamin Chen, who has been doing jiu-jitsu for a long time, he holds black belts in three different disciplines. He's going to crush me if I get this wrong, but Hapkido, Aikido, and now jiu-jitsu. And I was asking him about how he stays young on the mats. And one of the things that he talked about is nothing new, but it's cold exposure. But it was the way that he talked about cold exposure that really caught me. Now, I grew up in Colorado. I grew up in the winter. The cold was something I dealt with, but it definitely wasn't something I loved. And you are not going to find me in the middle of winter getting into the river for some physiological benefit. You could have showed me all the stats, all the data, the whole nine, and I literally would have laughed in your face. So when I was asking Ben about how he keeps so many days on the mats across multiple different martial arts, multiple disciplines, while running a company, being a successful man, how does he do it? One of the things that he did is cold showers. Now, I've heard about cold showers before. I've been told to do them before. I've even tried to do them before. And I absolutely despised getting in cold water, whether it was in the afternoon or the morning, unless it followed a hot day on the beach. So when Ben told me this, in addition to other things he does, like cold plunge at 39 degrees every single day after training, all of this stuff to help reduce inflammation that's caused on the mats to help him recover so that he could show up the next day. I later thought this guy was crazy. I mean, there's, there's no way that you're getting me to get in a shower in the morning, ice cold water all year round. I get up at 5am every single day because I have clients at six. So to do that just sounded ludicrous. And for what? So that I could just wake up. But we got talking about it. And I had been pretty invested in hacking my evening and my morning routine. As I've talked about in the episode with Dr. Jennifer Martin about how my sleep got overhauled after her seminar, 
I've become more and more invested into figuring out the best way to handle my morning and the best way to handle my evening so that I can continually do the things that I absolutely love to do, which is train hard and then live a life full of activity. So Ben and I are talking and we basically whittled it down to, I could commit to trying, and, and, and I really don't mean any commitment beyond that, but I committed to trying to do 30 seconds in colder water. Now, I tend to be a zero or 60 person. It's very rare that I'm found caught in the middle of something. I'm either in or I'm out. I'm either training jujitsu and I'm training four days a week while strength training and I'm strength training so that I can do jujitsu better and I'm trying to do all the things in my life to the next level or I'm just not very interested. So I started with 30, 30 seconds and I made a tally mark on my whiteboard here in my office. And I did one day. I hated it. It was super annoying. I got covered with cold water. It was cold, shivering. It was annoying. It was the first thing I did in the morning. Well, without putting too much structure around it, other than just trying to do this 30-second mark, I ended up working myself all the way up to three minutes and then back down to what I found to be the most useful amount of time for me in this protocol, not in cold plunge. That's completely separate, and I'll do an episode on that later. But in this morning routine, this system shock is what I'm calling it for myself, about a minute is perfect. And so what I do is I set my timer to one minute and five seconds because I want to be in the water by the time the minute starts so I get that full minute. It's another mental win when I hit that 105, I know it's going to count down and there's no more bullshit. I got to get in. So Ben challenges me to do this. I start doing it 30 seconds in the shower. It has now been, including today while you're listening to this, 275 days consecutive. I have not missed a single day of taking a cold shower. The very first thing I do when I wake up, I get up. I turn my alarm off and I walk to the bathroom, put my watch on, press the button for a minute and five seconds, and I get in the water and I rip the handle. I have done this in Prague, in Berlin. I have done this in Los Angeles. I've done this on the East Coast. I've done, I've done this every single place that we've traveled to since January when I did this episode with Ben. The coldest water I've ever come in contact with is in Mammoth Lakes, California. And second to that is Berlin. Third is Munich. And fourth is New York City. There's something about this, and this is why I'm not really going to lean on the science. I'm going to lean on personal experience here. When I wake up in the morning, I wake up at the same time every single day, 5 a.m., because I start with clients at 6. That hour is very important to me. I obviously I feed the pets. I take care of everything. But this, this hour is super important to me because work has not begun. I don't have children yet. Children are not awake. My fiance is asleep. It's this one hour I get to the day where there's nothing bothering me. And getting up, getting out of bed, going to the bathroom, and getting doused with cold water is so many things to me. It's immediately starting the day overcoming something I don't want to do. And that sounds kind of stupid, but it is meaningful because there's so many things in the day that I don't want to do. I don't want to always show up to jujitsu. I don't always want to strength train. I don't want to take the dog for a walk. I don't want to bring my car in to get an estimate. There's so many things I don't want to do. I would much rather just kick back and go surfing all the time. It'd be great. 
I don't want to show up for every single training session. But all of these things are part of my life and they're really important parts of my life. So starting the day off by just overcoming something that I don't want to do, I swear it trains this part of your brain that I've never been able to really tap into before. Because let me tell you, at day 275, I look forward to it no more than at day zero. It is not something I want to do. I wake up every single day. I walk over to the bathroom. By the time the watch is on my wrist, I'm already thinking about how I don't want to get in a stupid cold water. I just want to brush my teeth and go downstairs and make coffee. But I do it anyway. I walk right through that wall and I make it happen. On top of that, it is a fantastic way when you're done, <laughs> caveat, when you're done, to wake up. The cold water hits your skin, your whole body turns alive. Everything is on overdrive for a hot second. You come down from that at about 30 seconds. You dry off and you, I mean, you are up. There is no grogginess. There's no wiping the sleep off my eyes. I'm not moseying downstairs waiting to wake up. I mean, I am in a little bit of a daze when I get out of bed, but by the time I get out of the shower, I am ready to go. And that is invaluable to me. That's why I've kept it in my morning routine as an untouchable at 5 a.m. every single place that I'm at. Halfway across the world, it doesn't matter. This is a non-negotiable at this point in my life. It started out as 30 seconds of curiosity. Now it's something that I absolutely will not change. And by acclimating to the cold in the way that I have, it has really pushed me into fully respecting and loving cold exposure, real cold exposure, cold plunge, 39 degrees, 40 degrees. I just did it today over at DBC's Recovery Center in Carlsbad. That whole process is definitely a part of having done this cold shower thing for so long. And I will continue to do it. This is a staple in my morning routine. It gets the ball rolling every single day. And doesn't mean you have to do it. But if you're curious about it, try it and make it manageable. So much of habit change, so much in fitness, in nutrition, in health. It's starting small. Start with the most manageable thing. Maybe the science says that you got to be in the cold plunge for three minutes submerged in order to get the benefits on a physiological level. That's awesome. But if three minutes sounds insane to you and so you do none, well, now you're not getting any benefit at all. 30 seconds sounds doable but sucks and you can work your way up. That's a much better place to start than to just shoot for the fences and come up short. So starting with 30 seconds, again, working my way up to three minutes and then realizing that for the purpose that I'm doing this, how it works into my schedule, how it works into my day-to-day, -day, that minute and then five-second mark is really money for me. I keep it in there, and it's now it's a habit. It's something that's changed. So I call that system shock because that's what it feels like to me when I wake up in the morning, but it has become such an important part of my routine. It's something that spilled over into motivating me to do other things that are truly contributing to my recovery. To be honest, I don't know if waking up in the morning at 5 a.m. getting in the cold shower is doing that much for my recovery. It's probably not. It is doing something for my alertness, but the cold plunge is really helping me spend more time on the mat, spend more time training hard, doing the things I love with a much better recovery system in place. So I will do an episode on that later. Let's talk about coffee. Man, I love coffee. So I grew up with a dad who could put down a pot of coffee every single morning, and he did. And I remember, and I've talked to people about this before, something about growing up and him doing this in the kitchen, the whole house smelling like coffee, and him going out to work this construction job 
that like much there's some like machismo bullshit about it where i was like wow that's rad i need to be like a coffee drinking guy like him so stupid anyway didn't drink coffee for a long time started drinking coffee later in life and then a friend of mine turned me on to pour over which i thought was stupid because it takes time to make the same thing i thought as just a regular cup of coffee which is what i had done Anyway, fast forward, I go all in. I read this incredible book uh, by a guy named Brian Jones called Brew. It's basically a coffee table book, but it gives you the breakdown of every single type of brewing that you can do, from cold brew to Kyoto to overnight. Everything is in there. It talks about espresso, so it's got a little bit of something for everything, everyone. Uh, that'll be in the notes, as well anything that I've talked about this in this episode. Um, so that really outlined this whole pour-over process to me. I also talked about this with jiu-jitsu legend David Garmo on episode 76. We went into quite a bit of detail. So if you want to listen to two jiu-jitsu and coffee nerds talk about coffee and jiu-jitsu, that's a great episode. Here's why I love cold brew. So I come down from this shower. I'm up, right? I'm not real. I don't need the coffee to wake up. I am up. I'm having the coffee because I love the coffee. It's a key distinction. I have the setup that I have right now, and this will all be in the notes, is a Fellowstag EKG kettle. The reason I love this kettle is because it's electric. It heats up relatively quickly, and you can program the temperature to the degree, up to about 210 degrees. This matters if you're making pour-over because you want to be in control of the temperature of the water when it comes into contact with the beans. For those of you that could give two shits about coffee, just skip this section because I'm going to go into it. Second thing is a scale. You have to weigh out your beans so that the beans spend the right amount of time in contact with the water in a perfect ratio. And the book outlines this ratio very well. But essentially, you're doing 150 grams of water to 24 to 30 grams of coffee, depending on what your flavor preference is. I like light roast. The books recommend light roast because light roast brings out the most flavor in a pour-over situation. So... Light roast beans, medium, coarse grind, 24 grams to 30 grams, depending on your flavor profile, and 150 grams of water poured over in basically 50 50 grams, that's called a bloom, and then 100 gram increments after that. A bloom is when you pour 50 grams on the water hot and let it sit on the beans, and it releases the carbon dioxide from the beans, so it'll help the flavor profile of the coffee. So... Fellowstag EKG kettle, that's the best for control of the temperature. The Fellowstag XF pour-over set, which is basically just like an overpriced set of beakers from science class with (laughs) uh, some good branding on them. And then they make these specific Fellow XF filters. I've used a couple different filters, including uh, non or like reusable filters. I hate them. So these ones, although not most environmentally friendly, They're fantastic for the brewing system. I like doing pour over coffee in the morning because it takes time. There aren't that many moments in my life where I truly disconnect from thoughts about work, the podcast, client management, program design, strength training, jujitsu. I'm always thinking about this sphere of things that I'm trying to figure out in business. And so this moment, as silly as this sounds, of sitting there, boiling the water, blooming the beans, pouring the coffee, and then getting this cup of an incredible flavor profile of coffee 
that you took time to make, I just like it better than drip coffee. Nothing against drip coffee. can taste great. I like the process of brewing the coffee in the morning. It's somewhat meditative. Maybe it's like washing dishes or something silly like that. So if you're interested in coffee, if you're interested in pour over, if you haven't skipped this section, feel free to reach out to me. I'll send you all the stuff that I use. It's also in the show notes. It is a fun thing to get into because once you're in the pour over coffee nerd rabbit hole, it's deep. And there's a big community out there of other super nerds who care way more about coffee than I ever will. But it also makes it fun when you travel. When you go to a place in a different country, a different place, different state, and they do pour over, it's a fun talking point. It's something to nerd out over. It's more gear to care about. Um, so your, your pour over setting and then how the coffee tastes is also fun. For me, it also makes me care a little bit more about the beans. Southern California, we got a ton of incredible roasters around, but being able to utilize the roasters for what they're really there for, which is quality bean flavor profile, and brew them in a setting that actually gives that back to you. I love it. So that's my coffee setup. Moving on, mandatory movements. So if we're looking at this schedule, right? Morning routine, I'll give you a little bit of a hack at the end of this, why this is all so important. Morning routine, wake up 5 a.m., bam, shower, cold shower. Ah, hate it, love it. Downstairs, pour over coffee, feed the cat, feed the dog, give the dog his meds. Then I go into the gym and I do something called the Tibetan Rites. I read about this originally in a book called Breathe by James Nestor, one of my most gifted, most recommended books of all time. It changed the way I think about breathing. It turned me into a mouth taper, someone who used to snore chronically. I have since remedied that to a pretty significant degree, especially considering that I was in the face of looking at two separate surgeries to go and get turbinates removed in my nose. It's a whole nother story. I'll probably do an episode just on this book because it literally changed my life. It turned me into a nose breather when I run. It really just opened my eyes. But one of the things they talk about in this book is lung capacity, our ability to process oxygen through our lungs and exhale carbon dioxide back into the world. This process gets affected as we get older. As our posture changes, we get more rounded shoulders, our head brings us forward, our lung capacity decreases. So it's easier, it's harder to take deeper breaths as we get older, unless, of course, you're working on it. The Tibetan writes, and pardon me for a hot second here while we get somewhat woo-woo, because this is not grounded in science that, I, that I've come across, but the Tibetan rites are five movements, five body weight calisthenic movements designed, quote, to help expand this lung capacity and breath process. I've done them on and off. This might be the least stringent of my morning routine elements, but one that I, I try to truly keep in there as often as possible. I did them this morning. They are five movements. The way that you go through them from a trainer's perspective puts you through a couple different things. It puts you through hip flexion and extension. It puts you through rotation of your upper body. It puts you through cervical flexion and extension, abdominal stretching, core strength building, and if you do all the five movements, of course, they're linked below, while focusing on your breath the same way that you would do if you had been doing yoga for a long time, it's challenging. It's challenging, but it's also rewarding because the more you do it, you can feel 
that your ability to take a big drawn in slow breath through movement is there. And to someone like myself who spends a lot of time on the mats in a sport or an art form that demands that you have control over your breath, I'm invested in this from all angles, from static breath holds to movements that help me increase this capacity to just generally learning about my breathing and how I take in air and how I exhale carbon dioxide, what carbon dioxide feels like as it's building up in my bloodstream, which we can talk about later. These five movements are really great. But here's the other thing, and this has nothing to do with the intention of the perceived benefits that I've read about. It is very easy to get up, grab your phone, drop your neck down, start looking at stuff on your phone, mosey around doing a bunch of bullshit in the morning, and then sit in a desk and go to work. And then maybe later you take the dog for a walk, you're, you're scrambling to get kids into a car, and then you sit in the car. Or you're scrambling to get to work and commute with friends, and then you sit in the car. Taking these five movements, doing each one, the protocol is 21 times per movement, which is, I mean, <laughs> to some, it will feel like a workout by the end of it. But I do to start again, if you've had a hiatus between 10 and 15 movements or, or reps per movement, getting up and doing this, something about it, there's something youthful about it. It's getting up, it's getting on the ground and it's doing movements. It's very much like what children do and children have the best mobility and natural breathing patterns than most of us. So getting up and moving around, getting your body to get blood flow going through the head all the way down to the feet through these different patterns, strengthening your core muscles every single morning. These are all such beneficial things for us as upright walking beings. So if you care about not having incredibly tight hip flexors, if you want your mobility and your flexibility, if you're sick of your back hurting all the time and you want more stability around your lumbar, your neck's always tweaked doesn't have to be these five movements it could be a morning vinyasa flow it could be a morning stretch protocol it could be neck rotations and uh, nerve flossing that you do every single day to take care of your body but what i like about the tibetan rites is it was given to me in a very deliverable digestible moment right when i was really privy to this stuff and it stuck because it's so easy to do you don't need more than yoga mat width of space. You could do this in a hotel. You can do this at your friend's house. You can do this at your relative's house. You can do it at your house. It doesn't matter. It's replicatable anywhere that you go. That is a very important part for me. Those habits stick. It's just like the shower thing. I can do the shower anywhere that I am, ever. It's never going to be affected by where I am. And I like to travel. So having another thing in my morning routine that allows me to do this anywhere, anytime, any place. It's awesome. And it's a great way to get blood moving and go about my day. So that also can set you up if you're interested with, and I disclaimer here, uh, seek advice from your doctor prior to engaging in this activity. And I don't recommend that you do this if you're new to breathing exercises, but static breath holds in the morning. One of the reasons that I do static breath holds, this is not part of this series, by the way, but a side note, one of the reasons that I do static breath holds is to help understand what it feels like when carbon dioxide starts to build up in my bloodstream. Most of the time, when you feel a need to breathe, it's not because you need oxygen. It's because you can't stand the feeling of carbon dioxide building up in your body. That's what tells you you need to breathe. The actual needing to breathe comes a little bit after that. Understanding that relationship 
is for the professionals. It's best to work with a pulmonot or a breath coach or someone else who really understands this stuff. Don't just take it from me. But doing these movement exercises and then going into my static holds, it's insane how much time I've been able to add from only being able to hold my breath for 30 seconds to getting up to two and a half plus minutes. It really makes a difference. Something about circulating all that oxygen through your body through these different movements can be really powerful. And again, for someone like myself who cares about sports where breathing matters, surfing and jujitsu, I'm very invested. All right. Rearing the end here, we're firing. Mindset. This is incredibly important to me. This follows my five movements, the Tibetan rites every single morning. And this is meditation. I won't get super woo with you because for years, my mother tried to get me to meditate and I literally thought she was crazy. I really wish I had heeded her advice when I was younger because it could have been a fantastic addition to my mindset as an athlete. And the reality is I just wasn't accepting of it. I got to a point in my 20s where I really could get in my own head. And I very first came into contact with meditation through an app called Headspace that's fantastic, developed by this guy named Andy, who has a great accent, but I don't remember his last name. And he just put meditation in a very simple, non-woo-woo, non-snake oil, deliverable, digestible format that was easy for me to do. I had also since tried 10% Happier, and I finally landed on Sam Harris's app, Waking Up, which I've used now for the better part of three or four years. And it is the most concise, pragmatic approach to meditation that I've ever seen. It is no snake oil. It is no woo-woo. It's just about consciousness and being present and better understanding that relationship. And if you're like me and you spend a lot of time on social media creating, trying to connect with people that are listening to the show or doing anything that involves an online presence, it can be very disconnecting from being a person and being in reality. For this, I absolutely love this app. It is unbelievably good. I do not get any kickbacks, but there is a link in the show notes if you're interested or want to try a free trial. It's another thing that I tried years ago and it totally stuck. It is tough in the beginning to sit for five minutes. It's more difficult to sit for 10 and it seems definitely more difficult to sit for 20, which I've only done maybe 10 or 11 times. So that 10 minute mark is really sweet. It's a great way to disconnect. It's a great way to reconnect to actually being where you are present in consciousness and that experience. For me, I can't put a high enough value on my mental. And historically, I've been someone who can really get inside their head and overanalyze. My waking up practice and meditation practice has just allowed me to get a little bit of space there, a little bit of space between me and my thoughts to be able to recognize that I'm going down a rabbit hole that could be detrimental or that I'm getting sidetracked away from things that I need to be working on. So that little bit of clarity between getting sucked into a thought train and seeing it and being able to disconnect and redirect, that's not woo-woo to me. That matters. That's ability to be more present in the sports that I love to do. It's an ability to be more present with the people that I love. And I can't really put a high enough value on that. And if that is achieved by using the Waking Up app, I'll use it 15 days out of the week. So that's a great place to start. If you're interested, if you were like me and you're kind of pushing meditation away for a long time, but you'd like to give it a shot, click the link, check it out. There's also some incredible conversations with some fantastic philosophers on there that are just good food for thought, you know? So this brings me to my 
most important part, my secret hack, and this is bookending waking up and going to bed. It is so important. I wish that I could drill this home to every single person I know to the nth degree. And it's twofold. One, consistent wake time, always waking up at the same time. Snooze buttons are the absolute enemy in my eyes. It's literal weakness just happening to you right away. <laughs> it's the antithesis of getting in the shower that you don't want to get into. That morning snooze button is like the lamest thing that you can do is snooze your own alarm. Just accept it. You set out to do it. Just wake up. <laughs> so consistent morning wake time, it's the, that coupled with consistent rest time are the two biggest drivers of improved sleep. And that's not just me saying that. Dr. Jennifer Martin out of UCLA Sleep Department did a podcast with me. She laid this out crystal clear. The biggest contributor of consistent sleep, improved sleep, is consistent wake and consistent rest time. You add this little hack on top of that, and both of those become possible. And that is limiting phone exposure. Now, Abe, how the hell do I do that if I use my phone for everything? One, when you go to bed, you put it in a different room. Close enough to where you can hear it, far enough away that you got to get up to see it. That'll stop all this dumb scrolling in bed while you're trying to get to sleep, being stimulated, exposed to blue light, yada, yada. Second, in the morning, this hour, this system shock, my coffee setup, mandatory movements that I do every morning, meditation practice. No phone during those times other than to facilitate the use of the app. It, which is literally turn on, press play, do my meditation. Guided. I hope that you can take these things and cherry pick from them. This is a morning practice that I have hacked over a decade. I've had a lot of things that didn't stick, a lot of things that came and went. Journaling wasn't really for me. Stuff that I've tried to implement that just didn't really light me up, it didn't make me feel an immediate benefit, this morning protocol, these five things with limiting phone exposure through that have actually made a significant improvement in my life. I can truly say that they have changed my mindset. It's changed the way my body feels throughout the day. It changes my alertness when I'm trying to get going in the morning. And it's turned into some of the most productive mornings that I've ever had in my life. So if you're listening now, still with me on this podcast, you didn't skip from the coffee section all the way to the next show you're going to listen to. I really appreciate it. If these connect, if any of this makes sense to you, you find value here, please take five seconds, leave a five-star review on Spotify. All you got to do is go to the homepage of the app, the main idea, and just rate, the, rate it five stars. This helps so much with organic discovery, and that's a really big, important part of this show. I want this show to reach people organically, not by ads, not by shoving it down people's throats, by you, the listener, sharing it with people that are like you, that connect with this kind of stuff. So I thank you so much for listening. Tomorrow morning, I challenge you to wake up and sustain 30 seconds of ice cold water very first thing in the morning. Reach out to me. Let me know how it does. <laughs> Let me know how it goes, not does. Does is not a word. I got to get out of here. 30 Minute Thursdays. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great weekend.